Second Kings chapter 5, I want to speak to you this morning of the subject, turning great blessings, tra- turning great burdens into great blessings. I thought that over this summer I would take some time to look at some of what we would consider great stories in the Bible as we have time. And this is one of the great stories that many people have heard and know about. We've heard the story of Naaman and how he had leprosy and God used a little maid to give directions so that he would be sent to Elisha and be healed. And this morning, I want us to think about that in light of the fact that the Lord oftentimes in our lives turns the great burdens that we have into blessings if we allow him to and if we respond in the right way. And only God can do that. The Bible talks about him turning, giving beauty for ashes. He can take what we think sometimes are tragedies and turn them into blessings. I remember reading of the time when the children of Israel approached the Red Sea. And if you read that story carefully, it tells us that God led them not by the way that was nearer or closer, but he led them by the way of the Red Sea. And he placed that Red Sea in front of them and the Egyptian armies behind them, and they murmured and complained like the children of Israel oftentimes did in the Old Testament. And God showed them a great miracle. He led them across the Red Sea. As you know, he parted the Red Sea, and they went across on dry ground. And over and over and over again in the Bible, we see things that were crisis-oriented, as God brought people into crisis situations, and how they handled that crisis determined how God would respond to it in the end. Every one of us here today have had great burdens and difficult times in our life. We've had crises that we have faced, and it's what we do with those burdens and what we do with those crises that determine how they turn out in the end and how God responds to them. Let me give you a little background to this story in chapter 5. There's a number of people in it. First of all, there's Naaman. He's the captain of the host of the Syrian army. He is a general, if you, if you please, a commander. He was an interesting man. We're told in, in Josephus' writings that when Syria attacked Israel and Ahab was killed that he had deceptively disguised himself, and Naaman was the one who released an arrow into the crowd, and it struck Ahab in the joints of his armor, and he died. Naaman was a powerful man. And all of a sudden, this powerful man, this general, this captain of the host of the Syrians, he is faced with a crisis in his life. He's faced with a, a difficult situation, And God used this heathen nation of Syria to bring about judgment upon God's people, the nation of Israel. And by the way, let me say that that can happen again today. God sometimes will use heathen nations to bring his judgment upon his people. So there was Naaman. Then there was this man by the name of Ben-Hadad. He was the king of Syria. We see his reaction to his religion. He is a worshiper of Rimmon. And uh, he, of course, as a result of that, he didn't know the true and the living God. He's an idol worshiper. 
And then you have Jehoram. Jehoram was the son of the wicked king Ahab. Ahab is not in this story because he has already been killed by Naaman prior to this. There's a great battle that took place. And after that battle, a normal thing happened. They took some of the young people that were defeated in the defeated nation, and they brought them back as slaves and servants to the land of Syria. And that brings me to the next person. And in this passage of Scripture, there is a a little unnamed Jewish girl, probably a teenager. We don't know who she was. We're not told her name. But she's made a slave to Naaman. And she serves his wife in their home. Now, I want you to get this picture. This little girl, this teenager, her nation has been defeated. We don't know what happened to her family, to her parents, her siblings. She's carried away as a slave back to the household of the general that conquered her country. And this is a great tragedy. It's pretty clear in Scripture as God gives us the story that it was a great tragedy. But what God does with it, because the key player in this whole passage of Scripture, is this little Jewish maid. A great miracle is about to take place. How did this miracle happen? What's behind this great miracle that takes place? It was a young slave, a girl, probably, as I said, a teenager. She's in captivity in Syria. And in that place of captivity, she is concerned about her master, the one who's captured her. And she's in the household there where she's a servant. She's been taken away from her family. And I want us this morning to focus on this little maid, this unnamed agent that God uses in this passage. Because when you see the result of the disaster, when Naaman, a great mighty warrior, comes down with leprosy, and there's nothing that could be done for his leprosy, Oftentimes in those days when a person had leprosy, they were actually put outside the city. And they had, to, they had to pronounce whenever someone came close to them, unclean, unclean, because leprosy was so contagious. And so you see him as he goes to Israel. And as he goes to Israel, he's looking for the wrong person. And we see him rejecting the simple way that he had been told to find cleansing. And when you think about all of that, how did all of this take place? How did he find out about Elisha? How did he end up going to Israel to find Elisha? And and got instructions and, and all the struggle that went on. How did this happen? You know, when crisis comes in our life, oftentimes the first question we ask is, how did this happen to me? This morning, I want you to look at this little girl, and there's some interesting things about her that I think will help us. They brought about a monstrous change in her society and in her world, because her reaction at being a slave brought the cleansing of this general of the nation of Syria. And Naaman took took home some dirt from the house of Elisha, and built an altar, and worshipped the true God of Israel, and became a proselyte to the true religion, and then led many of his own people to worship the true and the living God. What an amazing story. 
that's given to us. And all of it is because of the way a little girl was used of God and had a right spirit and a right attitude. So I want you to notice, first of all, her spiritual attitude towards her circumstances. What was her attitude towards her circumstances? And let me ask you the question. I don't know what circumstances you're in right now, but what about your circumstances? What is your attitude towards what you're going through? There are things that happen to us that we can do absolutely nothing about. Sometimes there are things that happen that we can do something about, and we do, but sometimes things happen we have no control over. So what do we do when you can't do anything about it? You pray. Amen? You pray, and you leave it to God, and you let God handle the problem. And that's what this little maid did. Notice, first of all, she's away from home. She's been taken captive by a band of wicked men. She's been sold into slavery. And she's away from her family. She doesn't even know what's happened to her family. Let me ask you a question. How do you act when you're away from your family? How do you act when you're away from anybody that would be, to which you would be accountable to? This passage teaches us clearly how this little girl reacted when she was away from family, she was away from home, she was away from friends, she was away from familiar circumstances. I, I, when I travel, and, and I did a little bit this week, but when, I, when I'm away, it doesn't take me long to want to get back home. Something about sleeping in your own bed and familiar circumstances and all of that that goes along with it. But she didn't have that privilege. She's now a slave. She's away from home and familiar circumstances. Anybody can get homesick. How many of you have ever gotten homesick? All right, a few of you have. A lot of you have. Anybody can get homesick. We're told in Genesis 31, verse 30, about Jacob getting homesick. Laban said to him, And now, though thou wouldest needs be gone, because thou sore longest after thy father's house. You ever had a little homesickness? Some of our college kids, when they get off to college the first year, and sometimes the second year, and the third year, a little homesickness. Some of you who have gone off to the military, you've experienced a little homesickness. Sometimes you move away from your family and loved ones, and, and there's homesickness. You'd rather be at home. But God has put you in a place where He wants you to learn something, and He wants you to do something. How many of us are able to display a spiritual attitude when we're away from home. When no one else is watching, when nobody else is there. Well, this little lady decided that she was going to be submissive to her God. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And the way it's worded in Scripture indicates that she did a good job because when she told Naaman's wife about Elisha, she believed her and told Naaman, and they did what she said. So she must have been doing her job well. I don't know about you, but if that were me, it would be hard for me not to be bitter. Away from home, taken captive, become a slave. I know some of you teenagers think you're slaves at home. You have no idea what it's like. Some of our parents think they're slaves at home <laughs> to the teenagers. 
But we have no idea what it's like to live in a nation that's destroyed by a heathen army and to be carried away as a slave to a distant land and to be constantly asking the question, why did this happen to me? What about my problems? What about my burdens? What about me? But that's not what she said. It's very fascinating to me that she's not only away from home, but secondly, she's away from any help of any other human. She's away from any help. Here she is. She's in the home of the general of the army that captured her and brought her back as a slave. This guy's the top guy. Who's going to come into his house and capture this little girl and take her back home? She's away from any other help that she could get. And when you get into a certain crisis or a burden in your life, we would do the same thing. We would look around for something to help us and someone to help us, some way to get out of the situation. And the Bible clearly teaches us, for us as believers, our help cometh from the Lord, doesn't it? We look to Him for our help. And she knew this. And this little girl was a very spiritual girl, and she prayed to her God. What's your spiritual attitude when something happens to you that makes you uncomfortable? Different circumstances, different setting. Something that's not to your liking or not to your pleasing. This young girl said, for me, there's no way of escape. There's no way out. I can't fight my way out. I'm in the general's house. I don't have anybody to come and rescue me. Not one single person. But there is somebody that can help me, and that's the God that I serve. And her faith comes out of this situation. David knew the feeling of being alone a lot of times, didn't he? He talks about it in the Psalms. In Psalm 116, verse 6, he said, The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Many of us who have been in crisis and difficult situations have gone through them, and on the other side, we've looked back and we said, And he helped me. God helped us, didn't he? And every time David was dejected in difficult circumstances, had something happen to him that he didn't like, he turned to his Lord. And that's why David was one of, the, one of the great men that he was. That's why God said he was a man after God's own heart. He turned to the Lord. It seems like such a simple lesson. But it's such a difficult lesson for us to learn, isn't it? To turn to the Lord in our struggles and difficulties. There's so many people we'd rather turn to. Turn to our dad, turn to our mom, turn to our husband or our wife, or turn to somebody who can help us and get us out of this situation instead of saying, Lord, my help cometh from the Lord. I want to turn to you and look to you. Job knew what it was like to be in difficult situations, in horrible situations. And Job said this, he said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. If the situation gets so bad that I'm going to die, he said, I'm still going to trust my God to help me and take care of me. It's true that man's extremities are God's opportunities. God oftentimes allows or arranges burdens or crisis to come into our life because it is his opportunity to teach us something. See, we don't learn generally when everything's going smooth and easy. And everything's all in place. We learn when we get into the rough situations, don't we? 
And Job learned to trust the Lord. God was taking him through a difficult situation to teach him some things. And in the end, Job was given twice as much as he had before because God took care of his fear. Job had fears. He was a man of much fear, according to Job chapter 1. But God delivered him, and Job became one of the greatest characters of the Old Testament. The book of Job was probably written somewhere between Genesis chapter 11 and chapter 12. It's the oldest complete book we have in the Bible. And Job learned that he could trust his God, and his God would take care of him. So here's this little Jewish maid. Her attitude towards her circumstances, in the midst of the difficult circumstances, she submits to her God and trusts him to help her. Secondly, I want you to notice her spiritual attitude towards her captor. What was her attitude towards this general where she was living? In verse number 3, if you'll look back there with me in chapter 5 of 2 Kings, it says, And she said unto her mistress, that's to Naaman's wife, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria. In other words, she said, Somehow if God would allow Naaman to meet the prophet in, in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. What a powerful sentence. What a wonderful story. She said, if he could just know my preacher, he could tell him how God could deliver him of his leprosy. Here she is in these difficult circumstances that she can't do anything about, and she cares about the man that has captured her. She's praying for the man who is partially, if not totally, responsible for her being away from home, for her being in slavery. Notice her compassion that is shown here. The compassion, again, verse number 3, at the end, in the middle of that verse, she says, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophetess in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Would God. In other words, she was saying, I have a strong desire that you, my captor, the one who's made me a slave, I have a strong desire that you would get to know my God. You know, some of us, we, our desire would be, I got a strong desire that you would die and go to a terrible place called hell. Not that you would get to know my God and get to go to heaven someday like I, I will. Do we really care about those who are the, who are the per person who caused the difficult circumstances that we're going through? She's witnessing to this heathen general, and she has a desire that he would come to know her God. And that desire is greater than her discomfort from the circumstances that she's in. She's overwhelmed by this desire for Naaman to come to know her God. Moses said it this way in Numbers eleven twenty nine. 29. He said, Envious thou for my sake? Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put His Spirit upon them. This is the Spirit of God showing Himself here in this chapter in a little unnamed Jewish maid. Think about what happened from that. In Luke chapter 10, verses 33 and 34, it says, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. We know the story, the good Samaritan. 
He cared about this man who, who had been attacked by thieves and had been beaten and robbed. The compassion that he showed. He cared. He was interested in him. And this little Jewish maid cared about this man. She cared about his physical well-being. She cared about his soul, his eternal destiny. She had compassion on the man that was now her owner. But she had more than just compassion. Secondly, you see her courage that is seen here. Her courage. Now this is a sensitive area. Are you strong enough in your faith to say, if you could just get to my God, He'll help you? Boy, most of us would say, I don't want you to get anywhere near my God. I don't want you to get any help from my God. I want you to suffer too like I'm suffering. But not her. She had great courage. And here she is saying that there's someone in Israel, the, the country that you have fought against and defeated, there's somebody there that can cure you of your illness. There's nobody here in Syria that can do it, but there's somebody in Israel that can. Let me ask you a question. What would happen if that was false information? What if that was fake news? <laughs> we never have any of that in our day-to-day, -day, do we? What would happen if she gave encouragement that maybe, maybe somehow if, she got, if he got to Israel and to Elijah, he would be cured, and he went there, and he wasn't cured? That would have been a difficult situation, wouldn't it? She's got courage to give that information. And you see something very personal in verses 11 and 12. Look there with me, if you will. In verse number 11, it says, But Naaman was wroth. He was angry. When he got the, the, the message in verse 10 from Elisha, it says, Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan several times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. And Naaman was wroth. He's angry. He went away, and he said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me, and stand up and call on the name of the Lord his God, and strike his hand over the place, and recover my leprosy. She said, or he said, boy, I thought he'd be Benny Hinn. He'd just pop me on the head and I'd be cured and everything would be okay. <laughs> he didn't like the way Elisha told him to do it. And he goes on and he says in verse number 12, Are not Abana and far, far rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May not, I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. He's so close to being cleansed. But he turns and he goes away. And of course we know that his cleansing of leprosy, leprosy in the Bible is a picture of sin. And this is a picture of salvation. We come to the Lord Jesus Christ and he cleanses us. And there are many people that are so close to salvation, but they think it's too easy. I can't just pray. I can't just believe. I can't just turn to the Lord. They want to try to add some works to it. The rivers of Abana and Farfar and Damascus, their, their waters, they're much cleaner than this here. And he turned and went away in a rage. There were better rivers in his homeland. There are people today that say there's a better way to get saved 
than through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they try to add all kinds of things to it. If I just do the best I can, if I just get baptized, or if I just take communion, or if I just go to confession, or if I do all these other things somehow, some way, and they're so close, but had Naaman left, he would have gone back home a leper. If you leave without putting your faith and trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ and that alone for your salvation, you'll go away a sinner still lost in your sins. Billy Sunday used to have a message that he preached on Naaman. He titled it, Seven Ducks in a Muddy Pond. And when he did it God's way, when Naaman went to the right river and did it God's way, he was healed. And again, salvation must be done God's way or there is no salvation. It must be through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only do we see her compassion and her courage, but thirdly, her confidence is seen here. Her confidence is seen here. Her testimony came from compassion, but her testimony was given in confidence. She wasn't wishy-washy about it. She was confident. How do you and I turn difficult situations into good situations? The only way is when we have confidence in the Lord. When we look to Him... And it's interesting the way she stated this. The Bible clearly tells us over 900 years later, after this story takes place, 900 years later, in the book of Luke chapter 4 and verse 27, it says, And many lepers are in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed save Naaman the Syrian. And that was Jesus Christ himself who was speaking, who was saying that. A little over 900 years later, he's still talking about this little Jewish maid. There were many lepers there, but there was only one that was cleansed, and that was Naaman. He's talking about the period of this one prophet. And during this period of Elisha, he's saying, there's just one that was cured. Why? Because God looked and saw the faith of a little Jewish maid, and God honored her faith. There's so many good things that come out of this terrible tragedy of this story and shows the great power of our God and what He can do. Moses said in Numbers 14.8, If the Lord delight in us, then He will bring us into this land. Moses said, if God delights in us, He'll bring us in. There's total confidence in Moses that God could deliver them and give them the land, the promised land that they were going to. David said this in Psalm 3, Verses 4 and 5 and 6, he said, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. I laid me down and slept. I awake, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. David said, I'm not going to be worrying about ten thousand people because I've got the Lord. And he can take care of it. By the way, that's when he was fleeing from his son Absalom, who was trying to usurp the throne from his own father. And what did David do? He prayed and he took a nap. The armies of Absalom are chasing him in the wilderness and he simply prayed the prayer in in Psalms 3 that he talks about. He says, I laid me down and slept. I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me. He heard my prayer and I laid down and slept. David said, 10,000 people are chasing me. I just prayed to God and I went in and took a nap. 
You know what most of us do when we have a crisis or a problem? We got to take some pills to get some sleep, don't we? Amen? We, we don't just go in and take a nap. How could she do that? How could he do that? His confidence was in his God. Paul said this. He said, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Isn't it wonderful as a believer when you can lay your head down on a pillow at nighttime and say, you know what, if I don't wake up here in the morning, I know whom I have believed and he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I've committed my soul, my eternal destiny to the Lord. If I don't wake up here on earth, I'm going to wake up in the presence of the Lord. Isaiah 12 and verse 2 says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Do you have courage this morning? Do you have compassion this morning? Do we have confidence? Those things are necessary for us to be able to lead the people that surround us when we're going through the crisis to lead them to our God. To find faith in him. Finally, notice with me her spiritual attitude towards her clergyman. What was her spiritual attitude towards her clergyman? Back to verse number 3 of chapter 5. And it says in verse 3, She said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. As I read that statement, I'm kind of overwhelmed. A teenage captive girl is in the home of a general. And she says, if he could just get to my preacher, to Elisha, Elisha could heal him. And in the New Testament, Jesus said he was healed. He was the only leper in that time period that was healed. He was healed because of the faith of a little Jewish maid in terrible circumstances in her life, and yet she was victorious in turning this man to her God, and he became a believer. What an amazing God we have. And then notice, she learned that Elisha could help. She learned Elisha could help. We learn from those that God has placed over us as spiritual leaders. We learn from them. There's a lady in our church still in our church today. She came to our church a number of years ago. She was having some problems with her kids, and she made an appointment to come see me. And I talked with her a little about the the kids, and then I shared the gospel, and she got saved in my office that day. I was back when my office was over in the other building. And she said this. I've heard her say this probably a dozen times. She said, I came to talk to him about the kids. And he wanted to talk to me about me. <laughs> but she got saved that day. This little girl said, if, she could just, if he could just get to my preacher, he could help her. He could help her. She learned that Elijah could help. The first time Naaman heard the instructions from a spiritual leader, which was Elisha, he rejected it and he went away angry. I don't want to dip in that river that's muddy and dirty. I've got better rivers back home. And he was angry about it. And you know, there are times when you share the gospel and tell people how to be saved. And sometimes people get angry about it. 
because it's not the same as what they've already been taught or what they've, the traditions that they've followed. And they have to come to the point like, like Naaman did to listen to the Word of God and the man of God. And when he did so, he was cleansed. And he was totally and completely changed. I think about the Ethiopian eunuch in the book of Acts. Philip was talking to him. And it says in Acts 8.30, And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? In verse 37, Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. God sent one of his people in his timing, in his place, to start another revival. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you in the will of God? Are you where God can use you? He used this little maid to bring a great revival in Syria. He used the Ethiopian eunuch to go back and bring revival to his homeland because Philip was used of God. This little lady was used of God. Are you in the will of God? Can God use you? Are you handling the circumstances of life that will surely come to all of us in such a way that God can use you? You see, God always pointed people. He appointed people to lead his ministry. God appointed Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land. He appointed Paul to take the gospel to the, to the Jews and Peter to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And even when our circumstances do not suit us, the Bible is still true. Man's extremity is God's opportunity. His opportunity to use you and me to change things around us. How many of you believe that our world and our nation needs some things to change? Are we available for God to use us? Even to put us in difficult circumstances like this little maid so that we can respond in the right way and God can bring great revival. What else did she know? She knew Elisha would and could help this general. She knew he could, but she also knew that he would. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that God could help you? Most of all say, yes, I believe God can do anything. Amen? Do you believe God would help you? There's a big difference in saying God could, but I don't know if he would. She had faith in God, and she had faith in Elijah, Elisha, that he could and he would. This would so change the approach of many of us in our Christian life. She understood the heart of the prophet Elisha, that he cared. And, she, and, and in verse number 3, she said, for he would recover him. If you look down in verse 14 of chapter 5, look at what it says there. Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Not just clean because he had been in the water, but clean because he had exercised faith in the words of the man of God. And he wasn't just washed off, the dirt washed off of him and cleansed. His flesh was as the flesh of a little child. He was healed completely. He was made new. And that's what salvation does to lost people. When you come to Jesus Christ and place your faith and trust in the blood of Jesus Christ, he cleanses us and he makes us a new person in Christ Jesus. 
And then look what happened in verses 15 and 16 and 17. Verse 15, it says, Then he returned to the man of God. He's dipped. He's made like the flesh of a little child. He's healed. Verse 15, he returns to the man of God. He goes back to Elisha. And he and all his company and came and stood before him, before Elisha, and said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. He says, now I know that your God, there's no other God than the God of Israel. When you and I respond in the crises in the right way, people around us know that our God is the true and living God. But then it says at the end of that verse, now, therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. Look at what Elisha said. Verse 16, but he said, as the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Doesn't sound like the healers, feelers, and squealers in our day-to-day, does it? It seems like they all have their hands out and want to get more and more and more. And you can go on the internet and see the multi-million dollar homes that some of them live in and all of the wealth and some of them, even their airplanes, their jets and all that go along with it. That wasn't the kind of person Elisha was. He said, let me give you something. Elisha said, no, I, I, I don't want it. Some years ago, we had a man here in our area that got saved. I led him to the Lord. Vicky was with me at the hospital. And I had witnessed to him a number of times before. And he got saved that day at the hospital, and we were talking for a little while. And he said, in the conversation, he said something, and he used the word dang, D-A-N-G, dang. And, and he jumped, and he looked at me, and he said, see there, it's already working. He said, before I would have said, and he said something else. <laughs> but he got out of the hospital, and we went to his home, he invited us in, he always took us into the kitchen, and we sat at the table, and he reached over and got his check out, and he wrote a check for $1,000. And I said, wait a minute. I said, I want you to know that what happened at the hospital the other day, when you trusted Jesus as your Savior, you can't buy that with any amount of money. That's all paid for by the blood of Jesus on the cross at Calvary. He said, I know, preacher, I know, I just want to give something to the church. But I wanted to make sure he understood, you don't buy your salvation. It's purchased and already paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. He refused to take the money. But then look at what it says in verse number 17. And Naaman said, shall there not then I pray thee, this is Naaman, the man that's been healed. He said, shall there not then I pray thee be given to thy servant? He said, you give something to me, to Naaman, two mules, burden of earth, for thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto other gods, but unto the Lord. Unto the Lord, that's the word Jehovah. That's the personal name of God. In some of the historical writings of the Jewish people, they say this, they say he became a proselyte of righteousness, Embrace the true religion and the worship of one true God according to the laws given to Israel. He rightly understood God and he confirmed it in his life. Here's a heathen nation 
that God uses Syria to correct his nation, the nation of Israel, and a little girl that God uses to change that heathen nation. And this man came home with two mule loaded down with dirt from Elisha's house, many people believe, and he built an altar back in his home country, and there he proselyted people from the false god of Rimmon to worship the true God, the real God of Jehovah. And that's how revival started in that nation. How do you get revival in the heathen nation? A little Jewish captive. You say, how in the world could this happen? Because God often changes disasters into delights. God takes the great burdens and brings great blessing. Our God is all-powerful. He is omnipotent, and God Himself gave us this story so that we might learn how to walk in the same way that this little girl did. Be careful the next time you have a crisis or the next time you have a problem or a burden, be careful that you handle it in the right way. Take this little Jewish maid as your example, and then you'll see the blessings of God on your life just as she did. Would you bow your heads together with me in a word of prayer? As our heads are bowed, let me ask you a couple of questions. What's your attitude this morning towards your circumstances? Maybe you're away from home. Maybe you're away from anybody that can help you. Maybe you're away from anybody that will know. What's your attitude? What's your attitude towards your captor? Whoever's caused this trial or this problem or this burden. Maybe your boss. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's your husband, your wife. Maybe it's your parent. What's your attitude? Do you care about them? Do you have compassion for them? Do you have courage and confidence? What's your attitude toward your clergymen? Do you invite those captors and bring them to church with you? Do you bring them to God as they see your faith and your spirit and your attitude in the difficult circumstances? Lord, would you help us this morning to let you take the crisis that we're going through right now or the burden or the trial or the difficulty. Let you turn it into a blessing because we have the right attitude and the right spirit and our confidence is in our God. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.